The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them this question. What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how is it then that David by the spirit calls him Lord, saying the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one was able to give him an answer. Nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. The Gospel of the Lord. This week in our parish, we lost two wonderful members. Mary Wilson, a dear soul whom many of you will remember as a gentle and yet sometimes quite funny presence among us. If you talked with Mary for very long, there was always a bit of an edge to her humor. She was sharp-eyed and sharp-minded and well-traveled. Equally as sharp-minded among us was Barry Smeltzer. Barry had an enormous heart, a great love for this place, and of course for her family. And standing with her family just on Friday as they prepared to say farewell to her body. I was reminded of that great love in today's gospel that Jesus points to, an understanding on which hang all the law and the prophets, as Jesus puts it. 
as her family grieves and as we grieve her departure and Mary's as well. It's fitting that we should have this gospel reading today, reminding us of what we are all about. It's a bit of a running joke in church governance circles these days that I, as, yes, all right, secretary of the convention, having spent time bumping elbows, sometimes jabbing elbows with chancellors and other attorneys who are experts in church rules and regulations and canons, the rubrics of the Book of Common Prayer, the running joke that I often say to people is, you know, I don't read the canons for pleasure. I don't. The only time I just read the canons for reading the canons is in case I'm having trouble falling asleep at night. Right? The only time I go to the canons, to the law of the church, is when I have a question. Normally a question on how we are to organize ourselves around a particular problem or how we are going to move forward to resolve a particular issue. That is a method that is probably about as ancient as human writing is. We go to the written text most often when we have a question. But more importantly, and perhaps what gets to the very heart of Jesus' teaching today is that we have to understand the lens we wear whenever we go to the written text. No one goes to the written text with a blank slate. We all go with particular questions and more importantly, with a particular frame of mind with a particular set of priorities. This was as true for our spiritual ancestors as it is for us today. Jesus knew this about the religious authorities of his time, who were some of his most important interlocutors, his questioners, the people who came to him with the tough stuff. They were also his great challengers. We don't know much about the Pharisees and Sadducees except what we find in the New Testament. And there the witness we find is probably deeply colored by what was going on late in the first century when so much of the New Testament was put to papyrus, to paper. What we can gather is that the Pharisees were a group of first century Jews who were working hard to establish a common faith, something that was not just practiced by the authorities in Jerusalem, but something that could be practiced on the ground by Jews living far away from their central city and indeed Jews who were living far away from the Holy Land itself, the Jews of the Diaspora. 
The Pharisees wanted practices and an understanding of faith that would last. And in fact, many scholars believe that the Pharisees were the progenitors of what would later become the rabbinical movement in Judaism, which has lasted to this day. Sadly, because they are cast in such polemic, by the end of the first century, we sometimes look at the Pharisees with a jaundiced point of view, but between them, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Pharisees were much closer to Jesus' position and Jesus' understanding of the tradition, and perhaps most importantly, the law. And so when they come to trap Jesus today, at least in Matthew's telling, we're hearing not only the old arguments about what is the law and how do we interpret it, but we also hear a conflict going on in early Christianity about how much of the Jewish law matters to the faithful. And that had to have been true for Matthew's audience, which was probably, we think, largely Jewish Christian, wrestling with the presence of Gentiles among them, and how much should be demanded of them. Jesus gives us the core of our faith today, which you will all recognize. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's important that we remember he's not making this up out of whole cloth. And this is not even the spirit simply whispering in his ear, although there is that going on. Jesus is deep, digging deep into the core, the heart of his tradition, and into the heart of the Torah, the teaching of ancient Judaism. And he is quoting passages from those texts, like Deuteronomy. Jesus knows that the law cannot be understood unless it is interpreted through something that is fundamental. The Pharisees knew that too, and they wanted to check Jesus, and probably what he said is something they would have agreed with there was a fundamental interpretation that had to be brought to all of those texts, as old as they were even in their times. And that interpretation had to do with about being connected with our God, and being connected with one another in love. And without that fundamental lens, that fundamental interpretation, or what we say in the fancy language of the church, a hermeneutic, an interpretive framework, the law would fall to pieces. Wouldn't make any sense. Nothing we were doing in the tradition would matter if it weren't for these basic things. Then we have the second part of today's gospel, which to our ears sounds strange and confusing. Jesus, in essence, is turning the tables on those who come to question and trap him. And he asks them about a passage in the Psalms, 
where David calls his God Lord. And a passage that was commonly understood in the first century as a prophecy about the coming of the Messiah. And Jesus traps his challengers in a trick question. If David calls the Messiah Lord, how can the Messiah be David's son? How does that work, Jesus asks. Matthew is pointing those early Christians and us to that other fundamental of faith that we have as Christians, and that is that when we say Jesus is Lord, we are no longer talking about David's son. We are talking about God's son. That's the only way, Jesus says, that we can make sense of that song. And that is one of the other fundamental things that we bring to our interpretation of those ancient texts. Love of God, love of neighbor, and following Jesus as the way, or in the old language, as our Lord, the one we put first, the one who points to love. I'll share with you just a brief story of spending a little bit of time with John and Calvin, Hayden and Fiona, and Barry's loving niece, Sophia, this week. Amidst all the tears and the sorrow and the heartbreak, there was also a deep and abiding hope that was rooted in the love that they shared for one another and for this community, and above all, for their God in Christ. You see, my sisters and brothers, the whole point of Jesus' teaching is to remind us that there are things greater than the law itself and stronger than death, and love is chief among them. That, I pray, is a source of great healing and comfort to the Smeltzer family, to Mary's good friends, to all of us in these tumultuous days. When we put love of God and love of neighbor and Jesus as the way before us, we have a way forward, a way that leads to life everlasting. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. 
We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.